have the rain. Relief it is to have a little <laughs> bit of moisture in the air, golly gee, and not just to your eyes and your hair, but the whole world's giving a great it's big sigh, sigh of relief. Man, Boy, oh, it's man, really oh, true. Uh, and also, our employees are breathing a big sigh of relief. They don't have to water all day. Well, it's just so hot. It was so hot. It was, and everything was so incredible. But on the other hot. hand, all that heat brought out all those flowers. That, that was beautiful. You're right. I mean, it has been Peony City. Have you seen the posts that have been put on the Juno Garden sure. site for people's right. peonies everywhere? Absolutely. And every garden we work in has peonies in full bloom. Lovely. Absolutely Ab- lovely. Absolutely lovely. lovely. Now, and, people often complain about not having peonies bloom. You want to talk about that, David? Well, there's only a few things that stop peonies from flowering. They're such robust plants. Uh, a, a lack of nutrition. But in, in most areas, they're not, uh, they're not starving. You can look at the leaves and see if your plant is, if your plant's really hungry, it's going to have yellow and, and light green leaves. But almost all the ones we see are dark blue-green and dark green because, you know, they, they don't need a tremendous amount of food. Right, but they but, do need to be fed. And But peonies are very sensitive to how deep they're planted. That's the most critical thing. Absolutely right. You can't tell when you're looking at the plant growing. But uh, if it's if uh, you can reach your thumb down and in the first joint of your thumb you can feel the top of the root system where the buds come out, that's okay. But any deeper than that, the plant will grow, but it won't have any flowers. Right. It's such an odd thing, and you know we've we've seen that in a lot of different places where we've worked and been able to to because after you know several years of gardening, people continue to mulch and and cultivate around and and put add more stuff on top of where right, they planted pile it up, and then you can't tell really how deep it actually is. And then you kind of look, and you don't have any flowers. You kind of dig around down there, and really, it might be four or five inches down to the root system. And so, in that case, they're going to look great. The, ple- the leaves are going to look dark green. They're going to be happy, but no flowers. But no flowers. Uh-huh. Okay, this is a call-in show. Five eight six one eight hundred. Oops, new new life. Nine zero seven five eight six one eight hundred. New life. I love. Get that. you on the air. <coughs> You can ask us questions. You can tell us. You can invite us to things. Like like uh, someone from the Master Gardener Association could invite us all to the Master Gardener Garden Tour today because they have eight gardens on list. They get to drive around. People drive around and look at people's gardens. And you have and, to buy a ticket. Oh, you have to buy a ticket. Ticket's 20 bucks. You can buy them online. And you buy it online at the website of the Southeast Alaska Master Gardeners. It's S-E-A-K dot. It's S-E-A-K mastergardeners dot org. There we go. Uh, but you can look it up online, too. I'm sure and find, find a connection there. But you go online. You can buy a ticket for 20 bucks. You get a receipt. You go to any one of the gardens with your receipt. And you get a wristband, which then lets you into all the eight gardens. And uh, there's is it generally over, is it over parking. two days? No, it's just today. Just today. Just today, and it's really a thrill to go out and see what people have done in so many different situations. We've we've participated in this for many many years. It's always been an exciting time, and not just for the uh, the people visiting, but for the garden owners themselves too. They love to have people come and look at their gardens, and there's nothing better than having people go. Gee, your garden's beautiful. You couldn't say anything nicer. Gee, your garden's beautiful. And everybody's thrilled to hear that. 
And you know, and Juno has beautiful gardens. They have some great gardens. And after this week of sunshine, I just bet you there is floral displays like you can't believe. Summer blooming primroses are on now, as well as the peonies. The Florindes. Yeah, moved into Florindes, the Florindes have moved in. Oh boy, oh boy! And what and an the aroma. fragrant ones, really fragrant. You know, I can dream about aroma, and that's one of the ones that comes to me. The, 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 the aroma it's, of the Florindes. It's like a gardenia in that it's so potent. Uh, and it has that kind of citrusy kind of flavor in it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Really nice. Really, really cool. Okay, so as a And partic- lilies. Lilies are coming on. The lilies yes. really start blooming. The midsummer bloomers. Big, fragrant, really nice. Those lilies that you have by our back door. That are just getting ready but aren't quite blooming yet. Yeah. Well, there was one that was blooming last, last I week. It, I, saw- I made it into a bouquet for somebody. Oh, I wondered what happened. They have a With the lictrum and primroses. Out, outer- outer surface you know uh, uh, the calyx stretches up around the outside of the petals and it's dark and it's it's really really dark red rosy rosy yeah, yeah rosy and red. then as it opens the pure white petals on the inside with a gold throat shows that gold throat and the pistils mm-hmm. and stamens and that bright bright yellow yeah I can't wait to get them in the ground they, they're in pots right now but they really need to be in the ground because they'll multiply and do wonderful things oriental lilies do really well in Juno and and they I don't know if that one's considered an oriental it's called a royal lily. Mm-hmm. It is. Because that it count, comes from the d- Black Dragon series we used to carry years ago mm-hmm. that was a very similar type. But because the Orientals mostly bloom later in the year, and that's why I think it's a little bit different. Okay. You could be very right. I'm sure there are lots and lots of variations available there. And it, it is earlier than all Just those the kind of thing gardeners like to talk about. That's you know, right. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and you know... Uh, there was a gentleman who lived in Lemon Creek who was a lily fancier. And uh, his granddaughter is the Raventail weaver, Lily Hope. Oh, great. And he had lilies. He was a lily fanatic. And he had lilies growing around his house that were eight feet tall, mm-hmm. reaching up, up to the soffits of his house around the front of it. He had hundreds of lilies growing around The weather's around nice it. in Lemon Creek. Well, that's right. Maybe that's why they call it Lily Creek. That's, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> okay, Landscape Alaska is participating in this celebration, too. We have a weekend sale. We have things available at Landscape Alaska this weekend that are marked down in price to celebrate this event. We have uh, rhubarb plants, really big, beautiful, dark red stem rhubarb plants. And we have uh, the quick we fire. we those currants on sale, too. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. We have some they, great big They're currants. loaded with fruit right now. Right. So if you want fruiting shrubbery, currants and gooseberries are showing their colors and ripening up right now. And they are great landscape shrubs that give tremendous amounts of fruit. We have a lot of different varieties of blueberries, too. We sure do. That are sure showing fruit right now, too. And these are... The, they're not the wild blueberry variety. They're the, the big fruited, domesticated. domesticated. So the, the fruit tastes sweeter, not as sharp. But bigger. But bigger and pretty. Mm-hmm. Not I, that the wild's not, not just absolutely beautiful, but no, you know, these are saying. nice shrubs. Right. Okay. And also on sale are the nematodes that attack the, uh, the rhododendron pests. So the rhododendron pest is called a vine weevil. And if you look at the edge of the rhododendron leaves, 
They kind of looked tattered, like they'd been punched out with a, a ticket punch all around the edges of them. And uh, if that's the case, that's the feeding by the adult female. But that means that there are babies, the larvae are underground eating the root system. Insects are a big deal. There's yeah. a lot of them this year. That's one thing about all that heat. Oh, man, isn't it, You know, it, there's a lot of insects attacking our plants. Well, that's what's happening in the forest. Yeah. We look out the windows at the forest, drive by and look at the forest. All that brown, all that dead, those are uh, hemlock sawfly. You know, and they are just devastating our forest. It has been on uh, Prince of Wales and around Angoon. It's really bad. We really need a management program for this because we're not talking about, oh, here's 20 trees. We're looking at thousands. Hundreds of thousands of trees. Thousands. And landscapes that are going to be decimated and the fire threat is going to be tremendous. So we really need some proactive people on a board to help manage how this is going to be taken care of because it's no little thing. This is as bad as the pandemic and it's environmental. And it's big. It's really big. And there's no end in sight. And there's no active problem solving. So the the cycle that has been for the last, you know, 100 years that people have been paying attention to it on the West Coast has been that that uh, warm, dry weather causes a very huge increase in the populations, and it takes a cool, moist climate to, to uh, bring them down. And how it does is that cool, moist climate encourages a predatory fungus that attacks the larvae and attacks the eggs. And so if, if it's not uh, weather conducive to the fungus growing, then the sawflies don't have any, any control, and they just go mad. The sawfly is also the one that eats the leaves on the the currants and gooseberries. Not the same sawfly, but a different member of the same family. And if you've had those in your yard and recognized how rapidly a few little bugs can eat all the leaves on your bush, think what it's like to have hundreds of millions of them out in the woods. Right, but where you can put nets over your fruit shrubs, you can't put nets over the forest. No, that's absolutely no case. All right. So, so it makes me think that uh, just like people are developing uh, predatory insects to control other insects, you know, it might be a worthwhile effort to encourage the growth of uh, the, the fungal attackers. That would be great. But the thing is, we're in a crisis now. Yes. This is no small nothing, thing. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, I think having a plan would be something you could do about it. Okay, and also, it's not just they're going to attack the trees in the wild. You know, they're going to attack the trees in your yard, too. So it it's goes from the, the well, general gonna, to the particular. It's going to affect all of the wildlife that lives in those habitats. Okay, it's a trickle-down effect. You're absolutely right. Okay, so it's not any one thing. But anyway, that's a bummer about that. Let's go on to something better. Let's go on to something that's not so much of a bummer. Let's okay. talk about uh, Annie Bartholomew's play that the Alaska Festival's putting on, Theater Festival. Okay, it, it runs this week. It runs this week. And in several locations. It's going to be at the Treadwell Mining Office. Right. It's going to be at the Glory Hole. It's going to be... Uh, at the Crystal Saloon downtown are tickets that you can buy, I believe, for the I'm weekend show. And I'm sure they'll do it at Cope Park, too, because it is that same theater group that does those public Shakespearean presentations. That's really great. Yeah. But Annie's a very 
uh, creative and artistic person, and I'm very excited to see it. Okay, we'll go, I'm sure. It's, it's a, it'll be a wonderful show. And it's I've called been, The I've, Ladies of Whitechapel. Ladies of Whitechapel. I've really enjoyed her development of this as she's been singing her songs for the last few years. Yes, it's really great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... And, uh, so to get tickets for that... Or if you don't some of them are tickets, free, I, I guess you just go to the Crystal Saloon if you want to go there to watch it next weekend. I think they're good. yes. I think there'll be a presentation at the Crystal Saloon. There'll be sold tickets. Uh, good morning, Landscape Alaska's <laughs> conversation with Alaskan gardeners. Yes, is there something that I can buy from the? Uh, is it Costco to reduce the? Uh, I think it's the acidity of my yard. Yes, you can reduce acidity with lime, and you can buy that at the Home Depot. Home Depot, that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you very much, and have a good day. Okay, you see Bye-bye. you later. And you don't know how acid or basic your soils are just by looking at them. Well, you just figure here everything's acid everything's pretty acid that's right unless it's been in some way uh, treated already by the time you got it mm-hmm. and uh, soil acidity is not just uh, how it tastes or feels it really affects the chemistry in the soil and what kinds of nutrients are available for the plants for the plants right not for you but for the plants right, right? and that's that certain levels of it uh, various nutrients are locked up and they can't be made available to the plant. So whenever you are fertilizing here, you often, if, if that's the case, that you have a regular acid soil like, like we have and like most gardens have, you want to use some lime every time you put fertilizer out. Every time? I thought we only had to do it once a year. Well, it depends on what you're using. I mean, using if you fertilize in lime early in the season. So say you're doing your Because you don't want to over-lime. Right. You don't want to over-lime. Then you'd bring it down, and, and again, you'd lock up other kinds of nutrients. Right. So but there has to be some available whenever the fertilizer comes out. Right, but you, we fertilize every month, and you're not going to put lime down every month. You're right. Okay, so uh, we have all these new kinds of raspberries. Great. Let's talk a little bit about the raspberry crop this year. Which ones? They do- are being picked now. Which ones do the porcupine like the best? So far, <laughs> the porcupine is really Catholic, and they've taken as many of every kind as they wish. All right. So there the big go. change in raspberries is that uh, traditionally raspberries, the cane that grows this year won't have any fruit. And it, it has to go dormant and come up, the ne- and the next year comes on, and it'll have fruit on it. So the raspberry breeders have looked at that and said, oh, now there's a chance. Maybe we can find some that'll have fruit the first year. And they have done so. And now almost all the the university raspberry breeding programs are turning out raspberry plants that have that ability, that will have fruit the first year on their cane, go dormant, and have an even larger fruit crop the second year. But they they don't continue to do it. At that point, after the second year, they're done. But all these new raspberry varieties are coming on. They're just coming onto the market now. And there are, we have five different varieties of it from different universities. We're trying them all this year. Great. I know we have a lot of them, that's for sure. Uh-huh. 
I bought them from those Canadian breeders that t- turned out all those. We made contact with some people that grow shrubbery as if they were bedding plants. And so we can plant uh, shrub masses, landscape masses by using... Like a ground cover. Yeah, like a ground cover. Or if you want a hedge, say you wanted a lilac hedge. Rather than spend $150 a plant to get ones that are uh, three feet tall, you can buy them for under $10 a plant for ones that'll be that big in two years. So that makes things a lot easier if you have landscape plans to do. If you want to stabilize a hillside or, as Margaret said, make a ground cover that'll cover up the buttercup and the horsetail so that they die out, because that's the only way you're really going to control those kinds of things. Let's plant things bigger than they are. Plant things bigger than they are and shade them out. And so you can do that with uh, spireas and dwarf lilacs and dwarf rhododendrons and things like that. But if you uh, if you have to pay a lot of money for each one, you're not going to really do that. You're going to use those as isolated specimens. But once you can buy them as young plants, you can afford to plant them out and make a ground cover out of them. And lingonberry comes that way, and it's beautiful. Mm. And the creeping the creeping blueberry oh. from Maine and Nova Scotia. That's right. That's an absolutely lovely, lovely little plant. Yes, it is. When I say a lovely little plant, that means it's a blueberry bush that only gets about two feet tall, two and a half feet tall. And then, then it gets wide. Yeah, and it spreads. Uh-huh. It spreads underground, so it makes a thicket, getting thicker and thicker, kind of like, like uh, salmon berries do. And pretty soon, it's a dominant thing there. Right, it's very nice. Very, very nice. Hydrangeas are coming into flower right now, and they are absolutely spectacular. And roses are blooming. And the Roseanne geraniums are in bloom. Oh, man, it's such a floriferous time of year. So uh, if you have the ability to come to Landscape Alaska today or tomorrow, we'll show you these things because we have them on sale. We don't have the the, uh, geraniums, the Roseanne geraniums anymore. They've gone. But we'll get some more, and if that's something you want to be on our list for, make sure to make contact with us. Because the Roseanne geranium, unlike most geraniums, starts blooming at the beginning of July and blooms all the way until the beginning of November. And you don't have to pick any flowers, and you don't have to fuss about them. They just take over and keep marching on. And and they're a beautiful shade of blue, and they're absolutely one of my go-to plants. Yep, absolutely. And the people that you've introduced them to come back every year and say, I'd like a few more, please. Because mm-hmm, they're carefree. Once you have them, they come late in comparison to the springtime flowering. But coming in July and going through all the rainy season, it, it doesn't daunt them. They just keep on going. Mm-hmm. And when this, she talks about geranium, this is not the, uh, the grandmother's pelagonium with the big red flowers. It's a whole different plant group. And it's like our wild geranium that grows on the beach with those pale lavender blue flowers on them. It's that family. And the family has, has uh, seed pods that look like swords, little kind of uh, pointy stems. So that's kind of your clue. They're also, the other name for them is cranes bill. So, but this is an absolutely beautiful selection. And it's sterile, so it doesn't throw any seed. And... Uh, and it's tough. And one guy owns the patent for him for worldwide. I bet. And every every time you buy one, he gets a nickel. Good, I'm glad. I think so too. We think people ought to get paid back for what the work they do. So, Landscape Alaska is on the Back Loop Road. 
were up a private driveway between Goat Hill Road and Spring Way. And uh, I'm sorry, the snowplow crashed out our big fancy mailbox. But you'll be able to see a shiny black mailbox with Landscape Alaska written on it. Screwed to a sawhorse. Very sophisticated. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's really I'll get around to fixing it sooner or later. I know I will. Looks very Alaskan. That's yeah. all I can say. <laughs> it's on the list of things that have to get fixed. I'm sure I'm going to get to it as soon as I get done. I think it's going to be like that for the next 20 years. Uh, I want to see when, <laughs> when I get these trees pruned and these bushes pruned up and I get these next group of daylilies planted. Oh, the daylilies are starting Boy, now, we too. have that kind of light lemon colored daylily that is so beautiful that's just getting ready it's kind of like citronella color i don't know it's really beautiful it's not the stella de oro dark gold which is also lovely and we have that as a dwarf this is a new variety that's big and beautiful and they're blooming there on the tables Uh Mm -hmm. really pretty and fragrant I never realized daylilies could be fragrant. Absolutely fragrant, yes. And they are... And they're tough. And, and once you get them, you've got them. You know, what I love about a daylily, and I poo-pooed daylilies for most of my life, until I started taking care of a hotel where they had three daylilies I had to move, and so when I moved them, I divided them, and now I have a dozen daylilies. And they keep the weeds down. They don't... There's not any weeds that are going to grow in that... that uh, that daylily patch. That, that's right. You know, so if you have difficulty with weeds or having perennials be tough enough, it's a great, a great go-to plant also. And tough, really, really tough. These areas get snow plowed. They get all kinds of disturbance on them, and the daylily just shines. That's great. And if you plant them, again, plant small ones and plant a bunch of them. Or divide yours up and plant more every year, every couple of years, so you can get them so they have a, a stand of them rather than an isolated plant. They're nice. They really do. Yep. Anyway. And goats like them. <laughs> goats. <laughs> <laughs> we did a landscape for a family, and as soon as we got done, they bought a goat and tethered it out there among the plants, and they went for the daylilies right away. That's right. Ate was, them right up. Ate them right up. Didn't kill them. Mm-hmm. Every time they'd come up, they'd eat them again. That's right. Okay, so uh, Landscape Alaska is open today until 4.30 and uh, tomorrow from noon to 4. So and I'm going to be out redoing a rock garden. I'm so excited. You are, and Margaret's on the job with her landscape crew. If you're interested in having stuff done, reach out to us. We're really looking for more people to work on the landscape crew. So I need a you, crew in the fall. I need somebody, people coming in the mid-August and going to work until the beginning of November. It freezes hard, right. Uh, good morning, Conversations. Hi, good morning. I am wanting to plant an evergreen um, over in Huna, and it's not going to be taken care of all the time. It's going to be out somewhere special. And I'm wondering, I don't want to do a, a regular spruce tree. I want it to be something different. And I'm wondering what you would suggest for that situation and if you have any of those at Landscape Alaska. And I, have, I have some really, really pretty conifers at Landscape Alaska. And one of the prettiest ones. I'll tell you on the air. You can hang. Yeah, okay. But you should send us an email at landscapealaska at gmail. Right. So I can send you back so, some photos. So he, David can send you photos and you can see what you like. And uh, we can be in communication and we can send it to you via the mail or airplane okay Okay. 
Thanks a lot. So some of the most beautiful conifers that are available here are these blue firs, subalpine fir. It's a steel blue, and where the blue spruce doesn't live very well here, the blue fir lives here very, very well. That's a pretty one. And there's also a dwarf pine called Tannenbaum that's really, really dense. It only gets about eight feet tall. It's a, it's and we have those dwarf thing. Norway spruces. That's a which, very pretty one. Which are really nice, too, that's only in a, like a three-gallon can. Uh-huh. That's a really nice. It is a really nice one, and it's dense. Unlike a, a wild kind of spruce, this uh, dwarf spruce looks really, really full and dense, mm-hmm. like a manicured Christmas tree kind of. So those are good choices. And, uh, and if we you're have mugo pines. Beautiful mugo pines. Several kinds of mugo pine. Mm-hmm. We're into the conifers. We like them a lot. And one of our best uh, suppliers is a conifer collector who grows and collects uh, odd, beautiful, small kinds of conifers. There's a, a worldwide network of dwarf conifer fanciers. Uh, and if you can't tell, Dave's just a big nerd. You know, he's been a nerd all his life, and his greatest thing he loves to do is get together with other nerds who like to grow things, and he's all over the West Coast, and he goes to Portland, which is one of the capitals of the nursery industry, and goes nerding around with all the nerdy people, talking about what's cool now and what they did 30 years ago and how much it's grown, and, you know, and he's tracked it all. He's tracked it all this material, uh, starting from the time he was about, I think his dad put him to work at nine. So I'm not going to tell you how old he is, but it's been a long time. <laughs> and he loves to talk about the things he loves. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be a plant nerd. I think it's, it's exciting and interesting and always changing. And no so, matter where you go, no matter where in the world you go, you're going to have a close friend right away. Right. And so 30 years ago, we had a young man who was about 19 come see us when we were in Portland at the Far West Show. And he came to the Far West Show. And when he came out of the Far West Show, he says, I've never been around so many nerds in my entire life. <laughs> well, if you're interested and you want to be a nerd too, or even if you want to spend a little bit of half hour in nerd land, come talk to me. And uh, come see me at Landscape Alaska. Margaret's going to be on the job. I'll be in the nursery. And we're looking forward to having you come and visit us. So until next week, this is Landscape Alaska. Margaret Tharp and David Lendrum. And we're wishing you all happy gardening.